0: It is the Top Ford Four brought to you by our friends over at Mohawk Honda. Mohawk Honda, make sure to get your new vehicle. My sister in law now driving a minivan thanks to Mohawk Honda. Mohawk Honda in Glenville, where they always go out of their way to please you. You know who's got love for the Mohawk family? this guy who's going to join us today for the top four at four. You might know him from Shen high school from way back in the day. You might know him from Albany sports talk radio back in the day. Now he's crushing it out in new England. We bring on, it has been far too long since you've heard this voice in the capital region. The streak is over. He is back. Let's welcome in Brady Farkas. Brady, welcome back to the capital
1: region airways. It's been too long. It has been too long guys. Good to talk with you. I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'm sure LeVac is uh, somewhere, uh, you know, a couple loggers deep, a couple (laughs) porters deep. I kind of wish I were, but, uh, you know, it's good to talk with you. I miss LeVac, though. Good to be back.
0: You know how to do this as well. Let's just say you've gone through these stories, top forward four style before. You hear the music. You know what you're doing here. So I'll go story number four for you. And here we go. Baseball, a sport you know very well. We've got a story today involving Bryce Harper who basically wants to take on the entire Colorado Rockies today. Harper loses it after that bat screaming the former MVP going nuts. His Phillies taking on Colorado. What do you make of this situation involving one of the best players in baseball having an absolute tirade over the Colorado Rockies?
1: This is all because the reliever like clapped his glove too hard in the, uh, in the Phillies dugout direction. Yes. Yeah. So, um, one, I've never heard of the Rockies reliever, so I probably wouldn't be doing that. Also, the Rockies are in last place in the division. I also think they're the most irrelevant team in the sport. Not the worst, the most irrelevant team in the sport. So I don't know that I'd be looking to uh, to do this if I were the no-named reliever. That said, I kind of like it from Harper. I know people are, you know, oh, what a knucklehead and blah, 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 and you should be better than that. I kind of like a guy making $300 million who's willing to say, you know what, I'm not too pretty and too proud to go out there and, and stand up for my guys. Look, he just, he he'd been out since last October. He's got a lot of pent-up energy here coming back from the Tommy John surgery. I kind of like a guy who's willing to get into it a bit. Something about
0: Bryce Harper always being crazy has just now has me shrugging my shoulders like, oh, Bryce Harper had an F-bomb tirade against another team It was yelling and screaming and his hair. was, Oh, yeah, did he do that like a year ago? And then like three years ago, like this is his thing. And I don't know if that's an excuse. You know, we could do the thing like if you're a young baseball player, don't act like Bryce Harper. This is something you shouldn't be doing. But he's been doing this. It seems like his entire career that if you're going to sign up for Bryce Harper, this is what you're going to get. Look, I've heard
1: I've heard enough of Bryce Harper to know that he's matured. I saw people saying, oh, Bryce Harper hey, he hasn't really matured, has he? I've heard enough of Bryce Harper in the last several years to know that he has matured and he's not the same guy he was when you were watching him play for Syracuse in the minors, you know, a decade ago. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't advise my young baseball players to go charge someone's dugout. But I like the guy. Look, we hear too often enough about how the most, the highest paid player is always on the fringes of everything and doesn't want to get hurt. I like a guy who's in the middle of it. Look, no punches got thrown. He wasn't on the bottom of a scrum. But a guy who goes out there and shows he's willing to fight for his guys, especially as his team is underachieving and you know has been under 500 most of the year and has high expectations and spent a gazillion dollars on Trey Turner. I like a guy who's there to ignite a fire. I'm sorry, I do.
0: It makes us feel old that it seems like not too long ago, maybe that the John Randall face paint, the Viking legend was the biggest criticism Harper used to get about how much eye black he used to wear. And now here we are. In this spring, talking about him. That's a clown question, bro. That's That's exactly right. We move on to story number three. It involves former Indianapolis Colt and Atlanta Falcon quarterback Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is going to social media today to announce his next step in his career. He wanted to make sure he said it in this Twitter post. This is not a retirement post, but he's moving on to the CBS Sports Analyst role. He's going to be a part of both game broadcast and studio work for NFL Today on CBS he has not announced his retirement. Matt Ryan, two part question here for you, Brady. One, how do you see him having a career as a broadcaster? And two,
1: Hall of Fame quarterback Matt Ryan? Question mark. Uh probably Hall of Fame quarterback Matt Ryan got to a Super Bowl, won an MVP. Probably excellent as an analyst, needs to work on the personality. Like, you know, there you can deliver the information, and that's really important. You gotta have a personality to go with it. I mean, you look at a guy like Dan Orlovsky, right, who's excellent, I think. He's got the information, but he's also got the ability to deliver it in a fun way. I don't I never got that from Matt Ryan. Like I've never seen Matt Ryan be fun. He's always just been stoic and businesslike and efficient and effective. He will be able to tell you what's going on in the telestrator. he will be able to diagnose a coverage. he will be able to make the listeners the viewer smarter. and that's important. I don't see him, you know, right now at least, being all that fun. But they got broadcasting boot camps, and they'll have, you know, practice games and scrimmage situations for him in the preseason. So I imagine he'll get better, but I think the personality is the thing I would wonder about uh, more than anything. If I were him, I'd urge him to do it now because he's not seeing the field anymore in Indianapolis. That's just going to be Anthony Richardson from week one. So if I were him, I'd go and do it now. It's a lot safer and a lot more fun than being the backup on the sideline for a bad team.
0: From the broadcasting side of it, the bar has been raised over the last few years because of Romo, and I know some people want to criticize him Criticize him now because of that second contract he got, how much Troy Aikman's getting paid by ESPN. I love Robert Griffin III. I think he's fantastic. He's nuts. I love it. You mentioned Dan Arlovsky, the quarterback trio and quartet and players you want to add to the mix of really good broadcaster, really good broadcaster, I would let him back off of the studio stuff and just let him do play-by-play, do the color commentary. Hey, here's what we saw in this play. That's okay. Like you mentioned, you've got to be a real character to do that studio everyday work. Maybe he'll be fantastic in a booth where he offers that insight and finds his own role. That second part you mentioned
1: there about Anthony. Go ahead, Brady. Yeah. I guess I wonder when he's on the field, you know, when he's in a booth, what broadcast team is he on? Because I don't see him as, you know, broadcaster number one right now. But I, look, Trent Green to me is exactly what I'm thinking Matt Ryan is, right? Like smart, analytical, but doesn't have a ton of personality. If if Matt Ryan was in the Trent Green, you know, booth number three role, I'd probably say no big deal. But if we're talking about for the number one role, he's going to have to get better.
0: Yeah. And that's what we've seen. A lot of these players come right from the field into those big time roles. And some people just aren't ready. It's like a rookie season for a new job. You've got to just find out what fits your style and more. As for his playing career, spot on about Anthony Richardson. He is going to be the quarterback for the future for the Colts. They've got a new head coach. That whole organization is now set up for Anthony Richardson to have some success. And let's remember about Matt Ryan last year. We've seen this with Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. When you're bad, you're bad. Like if you're a quarterback, Drew Brees, you have one bad season. It falls off fast. There were times last year. Let's not sugarcoat with Matt Ryan. If there was a 15-yard passing play. He was giving you a solid 11 and a half yard throw. There were a lot of bounces out of Matt Ryan last year where you kind of thought, boy, we saw this with Rivers. We saw this with other old quarterbacks the Colts kept bringing in. I think he's toast. I think he's done. He's had a fantastic career, 15, 16 years in the NFL, like you mentioned, an MVP, a Super Bowl if they have the 28-3 lead. I would If I have to ask if he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, I would lean towards no, but he is right on the fringe. I think his discussion about whether or not he's a Hall of Fame quarterback is closer than Eli Manning's just because Eli's two Super Bowls relationship with the press the family I think his discussion for Hall of Fame quarterbacks far more fascinating than
1: Eli's I thought Matt Ryan was done years ago and then he gets to the Super Bowl and and won the MVP and proved me wrong and I guess maybe just having Kyle Shanahan as your OC was the reason for that but uh, you know that can make anybody look good as we saw with Brock Purdy Jimmy Garoppolo and others but um yeah, I think Matt Ryan's done. I think he's cooked.
0: Story number two involves the slate of games here in the Major League
1: Baseball calendar. The Mets and Nationals
0: just a few minutes away from getting their afternoon contest underway. Patrick Corbin, some central New York love there on the mound for the Nationals. Peterson gets a start for the Mets. Ooh. The Yankees take on the Blue Jays. I'm going to get back to that comment you just made because that's very funny. You just that. I don't know how many people <laughs> caught what you just did. 707 first pitch there out in Canada for Blue Jays, Yankees, and right here on your home for Red Sox baseball on Fox 95-9-980. Our coverage gets underway at 610 as the Red Sox host your Seattle Mariners. We're going to get to that Mariner Red Sox preview here in a second, what people can expect out of the Mariners tonight. But first, let's go back to that noisy made about Patrick Corbin, Nationals, Mets, Somebody who's not too far away from your age.
1: Why were you grunting about poor Patrick Corbin? I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's gone from a guy who we wanted the Yankees to get for $175 million, $200 million to a guy who is toiling with an ERA, you know, around six or seven every year for the last three years at this point, it's a dramatic downturn for a guy who was, you know, one of the elite pitchers in the National League for a few years and a guy that, you know, again, the Yankee fans were disappointed. Boy, they dodged one there.
0: There was an article on Syracuse.com, his hometown, my hometown, that called Patrick Corbin the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball in 2022. That was midway through the season. And although that's the hometown pick paper taking a shot at a hometown kid. The argument wasn't that bad. The numbers were that bad at that point for Patrick Corbin. So, yeah, he struggled. This is probably a time where I should release him from my fantasy baseball team. I'm not sure why I drafted him, but nonetheless, there he is on my roster. Uh, let's preview the Mariners and the Red Sox. What can Boston Red Sox fans expect out of this Mariner roster? They can't see you right now as we're doing this virtual in 2023. I believe you're wearing the Mariner hat. There's that S right I there. Am. There it is. That's not a Shen S. That is a Mariner S, which is more confusing. It's M.
1: Never mind. Go ahead. Scott, report on your Mariners. Uh, the team that pitches excellently and a team that doesn't hit particularly well. I mean, they're the bottom five of most key metrics offensively. Um, you know, they're, they're going to catch a break in this Red Sox series that these are the guys you want to see on the mound for the Red Sox. Right. We talk about Houk today with an ERA over five and Pavetta yeah. and Bayo, the youngster. So, I mean, these are the guys to see if you're a team that can't hit. But the Mariners at the bottom of the league in batting average. They're near the bottom of the league in runs scored. They don't walk very much. They strike out a ton. So they, they don't, they just don't hit. The thing they do do is pitch excellently. Excellently. They are maybe I saw John Marossi of the MLB network today said he thinks they're the best staff in baseball and or the best starting staff in baseball. And that's with Robbie Ray, the Cy Young winner from 2021 out for the year. And still he thinks they have the top rotation in baseball. So key for the Red Sox, I think would be, would be twofold. One, just pitch like you know just just pitch because the mariners don't take advantage like if if how doesn't walk the ballpark tonight they're not going to string together 10 hits so it's going to be a low scoring game just if how throws strikes two the thing the red sox do really well is they don't strike out a lot they make pitchers work george kirby's on the mound today he throws nothing but strikes like he's i think he's got like two walks this season in seven starts or something he's like got the best control in all of baseball so He's going to have a low pitch count, but if the Red Sox can drive up his pitch count, force him into some long counts, maybe draw a walk or two, they're going to put the ball in play. And because he throws so many strikes, they're going to have a lot of chances to hit today. So, you know, I, I think the Red Sox have been swept twice this year previously. And then won three straight games. So since they got swept by St. Louis, they're going to go and sweep the Mariners. I'm going to be grumpy.
0: <laughs> Story number one. We keep the Seattle theme going here for Brady Farkas because it's game seven tonight. Some of the best what words. Is this,
1: a new show. This new show is talking hockey in the number one spot. Well, here's what happened to Levack and Gaz that I
0: remember. <laughs> That's very funny. You mentioned that because Levack banned me, banned me on Friday. That there's no more hockey talk allowed in the top four at four. He said, this is the last hockey update we will give. We are done with the playoffs now that the Islanders, now that the Rangers are done. But here I sit with a Seattle sports fan in Brady Farkas. Are you a Kraken fan? And should we watch Kraken Stars Game 7 tonight with a puck drop at 8 o'clock? Are you invested in Kraken hockey like you are in your Mariners? If your Supersonics were around... Uh, the Kraken. Why am I blanking on the other Seattle team Seahawks. right now? Thank you. The Seahawks.
1: <laughs> I um, Am I invested? Not really. I'm invested in game seven because it's game seven. I will watch some of it. I will be watching Mariners, Red Sox much more prominently. And if it's six, nothing Red Sox in the fourth, I will turn it over at eight o'clock to turn on hockey. If the Mariners are winning, I will continue to watch baseball. Uh, I'm invested because it's game seven. I actually was rooting for Edmonton out West because the, uh, Head coach at Edmonton is the brother of the UVM coach, who I have a great relationship with. So I was hoping to see Edmonton advance out of the Western Conference. Interestingly enough, 30 years now it will be that a Canadian team has not won the Stanley Cup. An American team won a Grey Cup in the CFL more recently than a uh, Canadian team has actually won the Stanley Cup. There's your trivia for the day. The team from Baltimore won the uh, Canadian League title in 1995 in football.
0: There you go, hockey fans and. Great cup football fans. There you go. You thought number one wasn't going to pay off. I've got some complaints, by the way. You mentioned the Edmonton game. I get we got Sunday night baseball and we got contracts with ESPN and everything else. It is killing me. That Edmonton game was what? 1030, 1045. I can't stay up. It was 10. My
1: God, Brady. On a Sunday, it's Mother's Day. I got to go to bed. Well, that's just because you're old and boring now. I guess <laughs> what fatherhood has made you old and boring. You're up at five. So now you're in bed at 10. I mean. Look, they put the side-by-side on and like Sunday night baseball it. in the ninth inning. They got everybody all riled up about that. Um, look, it would have been great if the game was earlier. I get why it was reportedly ESPN balked and, you know, the NHL asked ESPN to put baseball on ESPN too, and they wouldn't do it. They wanted both games and they wanted a lead in for hockey. So that's interesting there in your uh, media tidbit here. And the 1% of audience members that are that care about that <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I, I'm up late every day, so it gave me something else to watch. I did fall asleep at the end of the second period. Uh, you know, I had to realize this morning that Edmonton lost, and I was disappointed about it. But it didn't really bother me like it bothers you.
0: I know. I act like I'm sleeping. I was up two and a half hours later changing a diaper. I just my focus. Yeah, that's right. I was watching. Thank God you have stuff on the You know what, Brady? Do not leave. I want more Brady Farkas. I want more Brady Farkas here. We got more. Fox with Farkas. We're going to start figuring out some cute, creative names here. Brady Farkas is not done. We've got questions about the Boston Red Sox. We've got questions about the Boston Celtics and more. He is not leaving quite yet. We've got more Brady Farkas on the way. LeVac, who knows? He might call us. He might all of a sudden pop up from MGM Studios and start yelling about, I said, no hockey in the top four at four. We'll figure out all that stuff on the way. You're listening to Fox Sports 95.9 and 980 on The Voice, the Capital Region Sports Fan.
2: Hey, it's back for the Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa with Dr. Fred Dreher. My man, Dr. Dreher. Here's the situation. I was the worst sleeper. I had severe sleep apnea. My snoring was a registered form of torture by, by at least six different sovereign nations. That's how bad my snoring was. My energy level was in the toilet. I was angry all the time. And it all just went right back to the fact that I wasn't sleeping. I just was, the snoring was too much. I would stop breathing in my sleep. I didn't want to do the mask. I didn't want to go have surgery. Luckily for me, Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa, Dr. Fred Greer had the answer. It's a custom-made mouthpiece that keeps my airway open. So the snoring is greatly reduced. I don't stop breathing because I'm getting all the air I need. And I don't have that that compressor engine in the side of the room making all the noise with the mask. It is a win-win, win-win-win. The Integrative Sleep Center with Dr. Fred Greer in Boston Spa, 518-885-6185. They're helping me sleep better. They're going to help you sleep better, too.
0: It is the second hour here of LeVac and Gaz. We continue to roll on. LeVac is somewhere, I assume, at Epcot. He's somewhere going around the world at this point. We've brought back Brady Farkas for a second segment here. The pride of Shen, the pride of the Capital Region. We had your guy Matt Verderam on earlier. We continue with this Oswego love now. Look, you cover for your living, for your profession. You cover the Red Sox. You cover the Celtics. Let's start with the Celtics here first, though. They punched their ticket to the Eastern Conference Finals, they smoke the Philadelphia 76ers. As a New England sports Big J journalist, what does Game 7 mean more about? Boston or Philadelphia?
1: I think it means more about the players involved than the cities involved or the organizations involved. I think it answers questions that we had about Jason Tatum I think it affirms the narrative that we had about James Harden, and it continues to raise the questions about Joel Embiid. I mean, I I don't think it's so much about the organizations per se or the cities or their histories or anything like that. I think it's about the principal pieces involved. Tatum was great. He answered a lot of questions. He silenced a lot of doubters, and Harden was essentially a no-show, and people are wondering why Embiid was essentially a no-show as well. When you look at
0: Philadelphia, I'm going to start there, though. I think it's all great points right there about what those players are going to do for the future. I look at Philly and I think, boy, the trust the process thing. Maybe it's over. Maybe we don't have to do this for another two to five years. I look at how they built that roster thinking this is the way to do it. Blow it all up. Be great in the future. Are you ready to put the flowers on the grave that could be the trust the process mentality? Not just with the Sixers, but I'm talking maybe like in all of sports at the professional level.
1: No, because sadly, we have seen that the bottoming out to get good has worked. Now, there are times where it doesn't work and there are times where it blows up in your face. But I think that the Houston Astros are a perfect testament of bottoming out, turning into a world champion and now sustained greatness. We saw the Chicago Cubs won a World Series largely the same way now the sports have changed up the rules a little bit to make it more difficult to accomplish in that way. You know, baseball has different rules now on tanking and the draft lottery and you're not guaranteed to get the number one pick and the NBA has always been like that. So it has been made it harder. You've been discouraged from doing it, but I think we have seen time and time again. Now it work where teams will bottom out, get high draft picks, trade players away, get salary relief, get high draft picks And then when the time is right to strike, they will hope that they have drafted well enough and then have had enough savings over time that they can go and spend big on pieces. I think we have seen that work time and time again where it didn't work for Philly is that Ben Simmons didn't work for Philly. If Ben Simmons had worked for Philly and been the number one pick in the draft that they expected him to be, Well, then we might be talking about them being multiple time Eastern Conference finals participants and multiple time, you know, uh, NBA finals champions, etc. So you have to do it right. Not everybody is the Houston Astros, the Chicago White Sox right now are a testament to that. The Cincinnati Reds right now are a testament to that of it not working. But when it works,
0: boy, does it work. We know New York sports fans can be very tough when it comes to their coaches and their success or lack thereof, and they'll face criticism. New England sports fan is not much different, and we have a recent history of New England sports fans being critical of coaches that have come by organizations at the professional level. I'm very fascinated, though, by how Celtic fan views Doc Rivers. Yes, he helped the team win a championship, but Doc Rivers has had his disappointments to say the least in the postseason How do you get the vibe of how Celtic fan and New England sports fan in general views doc rivers, legacy as a head coach.
1: Yeah. I mean, I admittedly don't talk about it too much, but the last person I talked about doc rivers with basically said doc isn't a big game coach. He has the reputation. The reputation is fair. Anybody could have won with the Celtics big three and they were doing the, the big three before anybody else was. So it was really just them on an Island and, You know, he was kind of gift wrapped a title. That's people's perception of Doc. I don't follow Doc enough. I wasn't here when Doc was here, and I wasn't following the Clippers that closely when Doc was in LA. So, you know, I don't have a strong opinion on if he is, you know, bad at set plays. He's bad out of the timeouts. He doesn't do the proper. He doesn't have the proper starting lineup. I, I don't have that much of a gauge on Doc. I just feel bad when people's narrat when when there's a narrative about somebody. And I don't know that it's true. I mean, James Harden had nine points yesterday. Okay, Doc Rivers wasn't going to change that, right? James Harden purposely drove to the basket and kicked it out every time that he shot. He, he took 11 shots. He refused to get to the free throw line. I mean, that that's who management acquire. It's not a Doc Rivers thing. So is it fair for his career? Maybe. Is it fair for yesterday? Probably not. When the MVP gets 15 points, and I believe it's the largest drop off in a game seven from an MVP to his points per game in the season to a game seven. When your MVP does that. And when Harden does that, I have a hard time blaming doc rivers,
0: Brady Farkas joining us. You may have heard him in the past here in the capital region, Shen High School's own. You can follow him on Twitter at WDEV Radio Brady. The payoff pitch podcast as well. Always great things Brady's providing for us. I got some questions about the Red Sox coming up, but I want to close with this on the Celtics. Jason Tatum and his legacy, and we talk about him as a basketball player and where his future could be. I look back at that dunk not too long ago and think, man, could you imagine? I'm talking about that series against LeBron. All of a sudden, him dunking over LeBron. If Boston had won that series, how different could we view Jason Tatum? He struggles in game six, he comes back in game seven and has that type of performance. Brady, it feels like there's this level. And, you know, Nick, right here on our Fox affiliate, people love talking about the superstar level, the great play. Tatum 2022 and 2023, I think we need to start talking about him as what? Top three? Top four player in the NBA right now.
1: Uh, man, I, I don't know if I would go top three or top four. He's certainly top 10 and he's not 10. I mean, he's in the top 10. Um, the thing for him about answering the questions is one, the consistency and two kind of having what we saw yesterday, right? Like my biggest knock on Tatum and there haven't been many of them, but my biggest knock on Tatum has been that he kind of lacks the killer instinct and that doesn't mean he's not competitive and that doesn't mean that he's soft. I just think that Jason Tatum is a generally nice guy and is a generally quiet person. And there have been times where when you'd want to see the competitive fire come out, it does Jalen Brown is the guy who I think lately, at least for me, like that's the guy I would have wanted with the ball on the line needed to go and get a bucket because Jalen Brown has that competitive drive about him and he shows that outward emotion. So the question had been there about if Tatum has that in him and yesterday silenced that, at least for me, I and mean, you come out, off what you did in game six, and I think he was 0 for 13 to start in game six. At one point, he was definitely 1 for 14. Didn't score a field, you know, didn't have a field goal until the fourth quarter of uh, of game six. Comes out, gets 51 points, hits a bunch of threes. I think he had six of them, if I'm remembering correctly. He was hitting shots in guys' faces, tough shots. He let the game come to him. He showed that killer instinct, that, that have to, that want to, that competitive drive which is something that at least I had questioned about him. And I think a lot of people questioned that about him, you know, his ability to, to bring it in big games. He was great last year in game six against Milwaukee, but that came off the heels of a bad game five for the Celtics again. So putting it all together, being consistent, doesn't have to be 51 every night, but you know, gotta be 27, 28 and efficient every night. And it hasn't always been that, but Yesterday, at least, uh, answered a lot of questions for me.
0: Well, let's flip it over to the Boston Red Sox. You're home for Red Sox baseball here in the Capital Region, right here. Fox 95.9, 980, 103.1, HD2. All different ways you can listen to the Boston Red Sox here locally. Red Sox coming off that series against the Cardinals. St. Louis takes all three games, and now as we speak, the Red Sox have moved backwards now into last place in the AL East. When you've been evaluating this Red Sox team, just coming off the absolute hot streak, look like a different team. Maybe early in the season, fans had questions. I'm struggling. I have to admit, I'm struggling to get a good a hold of what this Red Sox team can be. Do you have a better grip on what we can expect from this Boston squad throughout this regular season?
1: They're better than we thought they were. And I and I thought, or they're better than people thought they were. I thought the Red Sox all along were gonna be better than their projections indicated but I think the Red Sox are ultimately a fourth or fifth place team in the division. And it's unfortunate that they play in such a great division because I think you are going to see where they would be in second place in this division. And they'd be two games out of first in that division. They're better than expected. The thing that has been good for them is that the starting rotation has been healthy, right? They, they came in injured to start the season, but once everybody got rolling They've been healthy enough. And that has allowed a lot of other things to happen, right? Because the bullpen has been a lot better. uh, Josh Winkowski has been excellent. Cutter Crawford, when he was healthy, had been excellent. We knew about Jansen. We knew about Chris Martin. What has happened is the rotation has stayed healthy, and it has allowed those swing guys to stay in the bullpen and strengthen the pen. If Sale had gotten hurt again, if uh, Kluber had gotten hurt again, then those... Swing guys would have had to move to the rotation. The rotation would have been worse. The bullpen would have been worse. But because the rotation has stayed largely healthy or at least healthy enough, it has allowed everybody to be in a role that is conducive to them. Yes, they've dealt with Paxton being out. He's now back. They dealt with Whitlock being, being out, but they've got Bayo now. So they've got five guys who should be starters at starters, and it has allowed the bullpen guys to remain there which has certainly helped.
0: With that being said, plus the Yankees now sitting in fourth place, but trying to find their footing with Judge getting healthy. The Baltimore Orioles are exciting brands of baseball. I know you had Kevin Brown on the podcast recently. Baltimore is so much fun to watch on social media. Toronto has always been active with their young talent and still trying to find where they pace in this division. Is it Tampa and everybody else in the sense of this team, the Tampa Bay Rays, can sit on top of this division maybe from now until September. I, I'm i looking at Tampa and saying, man, everybody else is good, but Tampa's really good.
1: Tampa is really good, but Tampa has real injury concerns, right? Jeffrey Springs is out for the year with Tommy John surgery. Drew Rasmussen is out for at least the next eight weeks. Imagine he's got to ramp up after that, so it's probably really three months, if even. He's got a flexor strain, which flexor strain – leads to Tommy John surgery in my in my world. So I'm not sure we're going to see Rasmussen again this season. Tyler Glass now is a walking injury risk every time he takes the mound. He's going to come back, but how long is he going to be around for? So the Rays are really, really good, and I know it seems like they can just plug and play and be good, but every time you lose somebody, the questions become greater. Now, I would imagine they're they're locked into a playoff berth at this point by virtue of a good, of a great start, of a historic start, but I don't know that I'd pencil them in guaranteed for the division title, and I certainly wouldn't pencil them in for the pennant. I mean, Toronto is the team that I I picked them to win the World Series at the beginning of the year. That lineup is so good. It's now so balanced. Brandon Beld is starting to hit. They got Kiermaier, so they've got righties and they've got lefties. They're pitching needs to figure it out a bit. Manoa hasn't been as good. Barrios was okay the other day, but he's really struggled since getting to Toronto or at least getting the contract extension before last year. So Toronto is the team I think is actually the team I would fear the most come playoff time. doesn't mean they're going to win the division, but that's the team that if I'm playing them, that's the team I'd want to play least. That's for sure.
0: We've seen so many rule changes too in baseball here in 2023. The base is getting a bit bigger, not according to what Instagram has shown us where there's absolute balloons, but they're not that big, but pitch clock we've seen and shift. We've seen so many things that have affected baseball overall. And The games have been shortened as well. I look at teams like Pittsburgh. I look at teams like Arizona. I know we just mentioned Baltimore. I've developed this theory that these bad teams in the past few years are teams that have benefited from the rule changes because some of these really good teams, we could mention the Yankees in this mix, maybe Houston as well. Hey, we built our roster for this style of baseball. We can win like this. Now, all of a sudden, everything's changed. I've used a cross-sport comparison of it'd be like playing basketball. And right before the season started, they said, oh, by the way, we're doing a four-point play now. Somebody's going to benefit from a four-point play because they have a roster built for that. Have you seen that at all at some of these teams, especially the younger teams, or we can use the term rebuilding, might be teams benefiting from the 2023 rule changes?
1: Um. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting thesis. I hadn't really thought about that. I think part of it, though, is that these younger teams, these real bi- rebuilding teams, they've got more guys that came up through the minor leagues playing like this, right? Like they, So this is not new to some of the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is not new to some of the Diamondbacks, right? These guys came up through the minors with some of these rules. Now, not everybody. Obviously, Andrew McCutcheon didn't come up through the the minors playing like this, but they're these teams that have – you know, rebuilt over the last few years and are giving opportunity to young players. These are guys who came up playing this way and they're more used to it. And this was something that they were more kind of indoctrinated with. So it is interesting though, to see the split, you look at the teams that we thought would be really good. And the teams that were really good last year, Phillies are struggling. Mariners are struggling. Padres are struggling. They're all around 500, just over, or just under Houston is struggling. And then you got teams like Pittsburgh and Arizona and, um, some of these nice stories. We'll see if they can last. But, you know, these teams that uh, weren't good last year that are turning around this year, it's been a fascinating early season as we hit the quarter pole. He
0: is Brady Farkas. He is back in the Capital Region talking sports. It is so good to have him. We had him for the top four at four. We've got him again. Brady, now that Levac could be lost over the next few days, please do not turn off your phone on me. Keep your camera up. I have a feeling this won't be the last time we hear this voice on Fox ninety five nine to nine eighty. So if you don't
1: mind, I might call you a few more times this week. No, nah, please do. I always look forward to. Uh, you know, I've only ever been back on in Albany. It's been now seven years. Seven years. Since I left. I. It's been. This will be seven years this September. So six and a half years. It's been six and a half years since I was last on Albany radio. I've gotten one call ever from a radio or TV station in that time. So if you bring me on later this week, you'll double uh, the rate of times I've been heard in the five, one, eight in the last six and a half years.
0: It's done. You will be back tomorrow. Same time right here. I'll
1: talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Sounds good, buddy. Look forward to it.
0: We got more on the way. We're going to close out this episode of Levack and Guys. We got the play of the day. Thanks to Mohawk Chevrolet. That's all coming up next here on Fox 95, 9 and 980.
2: Hey, it's Levack from Mohawk Chevrolet. I love Mohawk Chevy with the new vehicles. I have a great uh, just average of finding great vehicles. I'm batting a thousand going to Mohawk Chevrolet with my Silverados and all those things. But now Mohawk Chevrolet is introducing Car Bravo. Forget what you know about buying and owning used vehicles. Car Bravo has changed the game. You can choose any make or model, not just Chevrolet, whether it be Ford, BMW, Nissan, Jeep, whatever it is. If you can name it, you can buy it certified from Mohawk Chevrolet. Check out these amazing features from Car Bravo. At-home test drives available upon request. Buy or sell your vehicle from the comfort of your home, the dealership, or even the beach. Delivery to your front door or location of your choice guaranteed limited warranty on any make or model backed and serviced by trusted uh, the trusted automotive dealer and leader mohawk chevrolet 126 point inspection free carfax vehicle history report roadside assistance anytime day or night courtesy transportation during a warranty repair car bravo the latest way to find new roads and go out of your way the latest way to find new roads at mohawk chevrolet where they go out of their way to please you
1: It's LeVac and Gaz on the voice of the Capital Region Sports Fan. Fox Sports 95.9 and 980.
0: Don't forget, you can connect with Fox Sports 95.9 and 980 anywhere. Download the free iHeart app and you can listen if you're hitting those summer road trips on the way and more. You can listen to us no matter where you are across upstate new york make sure to download that as well so you can take, take us with you wherever you want to go follow us on social media as well facebook twitter and more and on that iheart app as well you can leave a message so we can get to you during the show too we got our play of the day coming up guys. here with you levac has been in and out of the show he's gonna be like that throughout the week he's enjoying his time in florida so you can always reach out to him as well see what he's up to at the jeff levac but we got some great stuff coming up this week i want to get to this tweet If you're a college football fan, we've got some interesting news here involving the college football landscape. This is coming from the stadium's Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy just tweeted this out. Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are being called the, quote, Magnificent Seven ACC schools, according to the Action Network as well. These schools have met in the past several months – with lawyers trying to figure out a way they can get out of the ACC deal that runs through 2036. So if you haven't been following this story or the college football or college athletics landscapes changing in particular, ESPN way back when signed a media rights deal with the ACC that, as Brett McMurphy just reminded us, runs till 2036. 2036 worth repeating there because why who signed a 20 year media deal who signed a media deal that went decade upon decade well why the athletic directors do things like that is it because they can kind of rest on their laurels a little bit and say hey i made the conference a ton of money this is a safe deal we'll be fine for the future everything will be good we're locked in we can't move we're going to make money and money and money years and years to come Yeah, we didn't really factor in how much money, though, because we can make more now. NIL has changed the landscape of the college football world. The expanding media rights from traditional media companies who air college football games has changed. And everybody wants a piece of the pie for some of the reasons, including not only do we get a cut of media rights, but also some of that money could be used to buy players to be blunt about it. Hey, if our football budget expands, our roster can get better, and we can find ways through NIL and more to improve our college football program for the future and thus make the university more money. That's what these schools, again, football-heavy schools in Clemson, Florida State, Miami, both Carolina schools, Virginia and Virginia Tech, are hoping to do. I'm a little confused by it, though, as someone who follows college football. So where are they going to go? Oh, you could say guys, they're going to the sec or the big 10, but eventually, isn't there going to be a point where there's too many teams? Am I just being naive as a college football fan? Am I just ignoring how much money they really care about making because the college football fan in me thinks, okay, maybe the most you can have in a conference is 16 because you can play. We'll say seven conference games, maybe three crossovers in two games non-conference. All right, there's your 12-game schedule. If you start getting to 20 or 18, how do you balance the divisions? How do you figure out who you're going to play? How do you figure out if you can still hit 12? Well, maybe that's the backwards thinking by me that I don't understand. Maybe college football conferences don't care about how many more games they have to play. What I mean by that is, hey, they're already getting paid through NIL and scholarships. It used to be 12. Now it's 13. Now it's 14. You're going to play a non-conference game in this state. We're going to make this on this network. You're going to play on a Tuesday. All those rules that I've traditionally known about have all changed post-COVID. Hell, they might have changed post-conference realignment a decade plus ago. I would like to see college football go back to the days of the rivalries and the big-time non-conference games and more with an expanded playoff on the way. You would hope that these bigger marquee games would impact the season. I hope they do. But it seems like these schools, those ACC schools, the Pac-12 schools that are heading to the Big Ten, and the schools that have already made the moves in the past have had foresight into what this actually could mean for college athletics that maybe a three-loss SEC school give the benefit of the doubt. Hey, you're Texas. Hey, you're USC. You guys are a traditional power. We're more likely to take a two- or three-loss traditional power to a team that makes tons and tons of money over a one-loss Oklahoma State or a two-loss Louisville. Maybe that's the future that I didn't understand. I'm surprised they all want to just bounce and run because it seems as if we've heard multiple times from the ACC, these fake coalitions. Oh, remember the ACC coalition? Remember that? We're the ACC. We're going to stick together no matter what. Even when everyone tries to poach our schools, we're, where'd that coalition go? I see reports coming from Florida that the AD just flat out said, Yeah, Florida State wants out. I heard another report that said Florida State, one of the reasons they want out is, quote, it's ridiculous that UCF can make as much money as us. We can't let that happen. Florida State is that thought out that they don't even want to get Central Florida close to making as much money as them as Central Florida has had some success. And by the way, Florida State's going to be really good this season. Realignment. Conference jumping and more is still possible in the college football landscape. And we continue to see that move more and more at the NCAA future. What is it? Four conferences, three conferences, two conferences, 15 games. None of that stuff is off the table. Slovak Goss here with you on Fox Sports Radio ninety five nine is time. I'm going to do a little drum roll here for our play of the day. Play of the Day brought to you by our friends at Mohawk Chevrolet. We are going to be at Mohawk Chevrolet, by the way, on May 25th. So mark that on your calendar. That is going to be our first live show out in the Capital Region. Put on your calendar right now. We are going to be at Mohawk Chevrolet on May 25th. That is a Thursday. Come join us. We're going to be live on location, seeing all our great friends over at Mohawk Chevrolet. So again, 3 to 5 o'clock, Mohawk Chevrolet, our first live remote show, Thursday, May 25th. Mohawk Chevrolet brings the play of the day. I've been on fire. I have been on fire. So take this with what you want to do. You can either fade me thinking, guys, you're eventually going to flame out, or you can ride the hot streak. Now, my hot streak's been more with the NBA than any other sport. That's where I've been. I believe it's 80%. Our guy Ryan on Twitter can check me on that Excel sheet. I'm about 80% right now in the first two weeks of the show as we enter week three right now on the radio side. But there's no NBA action tonight. So I'm not going to pick an NBA game. I'll hold those NBA picks for later in the week. Instead, I'm eyeing this matchup. I'm looking at my Baltimore Orioles, my squad, taking on the Los Angeles Angels. Reports are that Mike Trout may or may not be in the lineup. If you're a fantasy baseball player like me, you might see the D2D tag next to Mike Trout if you've got him in your lineup. So, we'll see if Mike Trout gets the start. He is going to get the start. So, with Trout, we'll call it less than 100% in center field, batting second. You've got Shohei Otani on the mound. You've got Grayson Rodriguez pitching for the Orioles. Isn't it time for an over? Right? Like, every reason tells you to go the under in this matchup. Because Baltimore's been playing really good. The Angels struggled to find offense outside of Trout and Otani. This game's in Camden Yards where the Orioles have been playing really well. It's about an even game. Runs, baby. It's all about runs tonight. Hunter Renfro batting cleanup for the Angels tonight. I want to see runs out of both these teams. The one reason Baltimore's had success, we mentioned this with Brady Farkas earlier in the show, and if you're a fan of a team that's younger, one of the reasons we found teams to have success is that they are using these new roles to their advantage. Stealing more bases, finding more speed in a lineup, being a bit more aggressive on the base pass and with no shift anymore, finding the ways to plug through a defense. Baltimore's been a great example of this and they've been super exciting. Cedric Mullins again with that cycle this past weekend. So I get that mix in Baltimore, plus I get the Angels offense looking to make something happen in that division. That is my play of the night. Over eight total runs in the Angels-Orioles matchup on Major League Baseball's slate of games tonight. Thank you to Mohawk Chevrolet. And hopefully we cash that ticket. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we are going to have another one of our favorite voices. And another Capital Region locally based voice. Well, at least back in the past. Shaker High School Zone. We had a Shen Love with Brady today. We're going to have a little Shaker Love tomorrow with Another Sports Illustrated writer, Kevin Sweeney, is going to join us tomorrow. Kevin Sweeney covers college basketball for Sports Illustrated. But if you're a Hoops fan, if you're an NBA fan, there is some hype around Victor Webiniana. Some have called him the next LeBron James. So don't don't drive off the road quite yet. I know you've heard that comparison about 100 times about NBA draft lotteries and everything else. But if you were to grab a video game controller and hop on NBA 2K and create a fake player, You'd make him seven foot five, who could shoot, who could dunk, who could run, who could pass. Who could... This guy's a real life person, and he plays pro ball right now across the pond. The Victor Webiniana sweepstakes winner will be found out tomorrow in the NBA draft lottery goes down. What other players could potentially New York teams have in mind and more? Kevin Sweeney is going to give us all that information tomorrow when he joins us to preview this. Tomorrow's tomorrow's NBA Draft Lottery. This year's Draft Lottery should be a lot of fun. And throughout the week, don't forget as well, we've got some PGA Championship previews coming up. We've got some more NBA talk. A lot of good stuff on the way this week. And who knows? We may get some more calls from beautiful Orlando, Florida. Where in the world is LeVac? First two weeks of the show, we've tried to do the mystery of who is Antonio El ala Now it's where is LeVac? I saw Kyle on Twitter shared a picture of him finding Scott Van Pelt at Oak Hill out in Rochester. Grab a selfie with LeVac or see if you can find him or send me his social media posts as he enjoys it. And who knows how often he's going to pop up here and share some things he's seen down there. By the way, great time to be a Florida sports fan, right? Florida Panthers with the upset. Miami in the Final Four in college basketball. Florida Atlantic in the Final Four in college basketball. The Miami Heat... Go to the conference finals in the NBA. Great time to be a Florida sports fan. All right, that's all coming up tomorrow. Covino and Rich, we love these guys. So much fun. Give them a listen coming up. Cavino and Rich is on the way. And then coming up, Boston Red Sox baseball right here on your home for the Red Sox. The Red Sox pregame, the Red Sox first pitch. All that fun stuff is on the way. Our coverage gets away at 610. First pitch set for 710 as the Red Sox host the Mariners. We're back tomorrow. So a back, guys. Enjoy some Cavino and Rich and Red Sox baseball right here. On the voice of the Capital Region Sports Inn, Fox Sports, 95, 9, and 980.
2: This report is sponsored by Bank of America.